She took the iPad. I don't have the iPad to adjust it.
she Edisto Nana or is that Susan? scoot over there real quick and see.
Merciful and gracious God, our hearts cry out for you to make us whole again, even as we celebrate that you have come to dwell within us, we have sinned against you and abandoned your commandments. We have been jealous, possessive, ambivalent, and impulsive. We have not heeded your word and we have not cherished your covenant. Help us to glorify you in all times and in all places. As our souls thirst for your living waters, quench our needs and satisfy our love, that we may come back to you and be sent forth to fill the world with your mercy and grace. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is at work within us. Hear our prayers, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. entered the world to rescue the world from sin. He personally bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might be dead to sin and be alive to all that is good. Now friends, believe the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven.
Oh, I was just texting you. So. Are there children here this morning who would like to come down and spend just a moment with me? Don't have to. But if you would like, I'd love to see you. Stand by his fine. Yeah. This is in and out. Okay. We just sit on the bench. up and join us? Here we go. There's a class called All the Things They Didn't Teach You in Seminary and We'll find time to make that happen, I promise you. Absolutely. So I just wanted to introduce myself. I am Pastor Dan, and I'm going to be here for a few weeks while Pastor Ashley is away doing some learning about some different things. And I'll be preaching some sermons and talking to the people about some different things relating to God. But I just wanted to meet you first of all because children are still very important. And I wanted to remind you as well about something that really is important to know, which is we've all got a voice. Like your voice sounds like a boat. Like this, yeah. So voices all sound unique. My voice is a little deeper. Pastor Ashley's voice is probably a little bit higher pitched. But you know what? All of those voices are important voices and good voices. And if I were to listen to all of you talk out here, some of you might have a more southern accent or a different tone of voice or a high-pitched voice or an older voice or a younger voice. But you know what? Your voice would be important. And your voice would matter so incredibly much to God. And today is Pentecost, and the thing we remember on Pentecost is every person matters and every voice matters. So if your voice is like this, or like this, or like this, your voice, it matters very, very much to God. And for that, we are all deeply, deeply grateful. Let's say a prayer together. I'm going to say a few words and we'll just repeat after me. That would be terrific, okay? Holy God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the voices that share the good news of Jesus and his love. Amen. Thank you so much for coming down. I really appreciate it. You can go back now. I get to preach in a lot of different churches, which is great. And everyone is different in terms of sound systems. Your patience is greatly appreciated as I ruffle too much. I don't mean to do that. The uh, New Testament lesson for today on this Pentecost Sunday uh, comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Listen now for God's word to all of us. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the rush of a violent wind. 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, eh, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smokiness. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. It is uh, such a privilege for me and Carol to be back here again with you in one of our favorite places in the whole world. We so enjoyed our time with you uh, last fall when we were able to be here and now to get to spend several weeks in this glorious place and in that glorious manse. Wow, what a great way to spend a June. So thank you so much for the invitation and for this opportunity. And thank you as well for the good ways you are supporting your pastor and especially through this time of her learning and getting a little renewal and rest as well as growth. I was privileged to receive two sabbaticals in my time in ministry and I was so much helped by both of those, so transformed by those in so many different ways. I'm persuaded that this is one of the very best ways for a church to support its pastor and frankly to build long-term relationships. So thank you for being willing to, to do that. And now for our time together. I believe Four Sundays is a great stretch for a brief sermon series. And that's what we're going to share as we begin a series called Surprising Saints. A look at some of the unexpected heroes to be found in Scripture. This is, of course, one of the dominant themes of the Bible. God so often seems to choose the most unexpected people for God's big purposes. From the original disciples who could hardly get out of their own way to a surprise nighttime disciple named Nicodemus to one after the next after the next, the Bible is just full of such stories. I want to learn from a few of these people over the next several weeks, some of these surprising saints in our four Sundays together, so that we might be a little bit more open to God's surprises in our own life as well. We begin today by looking at the familiar story of Pentecost. The Pentecost story takes place early in Acts when the fledgling Christian church was actually pretty small. 
Most estimates are that there were maybe 120 or so people in this earliest gathering of the church made up of the original disciples who had been with Jesus and with some of the women and men who'd kind of affixed themselves to his movement. They were also present without question. They were men and women, young and old, rich and poor. They were gathered together in this place. And then something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit joins the party. And despite the normal social barriers that would have been present at that time, these folks find themselves coming together as one people, including speaking the language that all can understand. As one preacher notes, the Holy Spirit does not have a tendency to discriminate based on our human standards. Now, I am aware that this story is a challenge for many of us who call ourselves Presbyterians, fire, Wind, people speaking in all these different languages, confusion, charges of drunkenness, life that is totally out of the ordinary, is enough to scare most Presbyterians half to death. And apparently, we're not the only ones who get nervous about this. Look at the liturgical calendar we call the lectionary used for worship by many denominations. Out of 52 Sundays, only one is specifically devoted to the person and presence of God's Holy Spirit. It seems that a great many of us just don't quite know what to do with this thing called Pentecost. And there is another challenge here as well. It's that word spirit. As Frederick Beekner notes, the word spirit gets drained of meaning through overuse. We hear about school spirit, the spirit of 76, team spirit, the Christmas spirit, the new electronic sign for a high school regularly posts something called hours of operation for the spirit store, where you can buy clothes and pom-poms and things such as that. It can be difficult to define just what spirit means for us in this culture these days. And frankly, the adjective spiritual hasn't done all that much better either. This word has been plastered all over the place for the last 20 years to the point Rick can define anything from pious, genuine Christian faith all the way over to those who talk about the zen of economics. No wonder we are a little bit suspicious when people say, but I'm a spiritual person. It's not always clear to us exactly what that means. Yet despite the challenges of talking about God's spirit, it is an incredibly important day in the life of the church. Pentecost is a pivotal event for the tiny Jesus movement in Jerusalem and Galilee, and it is crucial to our understanding of what it means to be the church today. Now, often we call Pentecost the birthday of the church, and so it was. But before that, it was also a Jewish holiday. The original Pentecost was a harvest festival, and this is what the disciples would have been expecting to celebrate as they gathered together that day. Only the truth be told, there wasn't much to celebrate, at least not at first. Remember now that it had been 50 days for the little group of Jesus followers since the cataclysmic events of his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, and then three days later, the experience that they could barely even comprehend even yet, his resurrection. It was a time that was both exciting and terrifying and frankly a little bit confusing. And the truth of the matter is that in recent days they had basically gone into hiding. They were laying low, hiding and waiting, wondering what they should do next. You see, it would still be dangerous to be seen publicly and identified as a follower of this rabble rousing rabbi from Nazareth. So there they were, behind locked doors, not in the temple, saying their Pentecost prayers, when things began to happen literally beyond description there. There was a sound of a mighty wind, tongues of fire appeared, medieval artists loved to paint the scene with flames on the apostles' head, almost like propane jets. El Greco's painting is perhaps the most famous. I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only child who, when I saw Sunday School of Pentecost pictures, thought the disciples' hair was on fire. And then the disciples do the most remarkable thing. They leave their room, 
They leave their secure, safe house and they go out into the streets. They literally come out of their place of hiding. They go public with their identity and with their faith. That's the first big surprise of this text, that the disciples were even willing to come out of that place where they had been feeling a little bit safer and out into the community where the people needed to hear the good news of God's love. It is no small thing when a group of believers say, this is who we are and this is what we believe. So don't overlook that part of the story. It took courage just to come out of their hiding place and that's exactly what these disciples did. But that was just the beginning. For something even more remarkable happens next. They begin to tell the story of Jesus not in their shared language, but in the languages of all the people who had come to Jerusalem from all over the world. The whole world included Parthians and Medes and residents of Cappadocia and Asia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Arabia. This new thing that was happening was creating this incredible communication event. And here's another little interesting detail that I really hadn't noticed until recent years. The text tells us that there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Often this group gets described as pilgrims, religious tourists passing through the Jewish festival of Pentecost, but that's not what the text actually says. If you get down to the language, these were people from other nations now living in Jerusalem, which I guess made them immigrants. They probably would have learned the local language. It would have made communication so much easier, so much better, but they would also have likely continued to speak their own native languages in their own homes with their communities of fellow immigrants. The first Pentecost made them one people. My wife Carol and I live in a fairly diverse neighborhood in Irmo, South Carolina. It is racially, politically, and geographically pretty inclusive. You will see many signs supporting Republican politicians and a fair number of signs supporting Democratic politicians as well. Our neighbors on one side are a very nice African-American family. Our neighbors on the other side are a lovely younger couple that came from Taiwan in order to teach at the University of South Carolina. We can always tell when they're excited because they go back to speaking their native language. We have people from at least seven different nations living in our neighborhood. And it turns out that Carol and I too represent a kind of diversity in that neighborhood. A couple of days after we moved in, I wanted to go over and meet our neighbor, and so we walked over and said hello to Jerry, and we began to chat a bit, and he said to us, well, welcome to the neighborhood. But he added, you probably need to know that you are gonna stand out around here. And I said, oh, why is that? And he said, you're old. <laughs> so true. In a neighborhood filled with children, we too stand out. So I read this story today thinking of my own neighborhood. I think of the fact that all of us, with all of our diversity, would have been touched by the gift of God's Spirit. And no matter what our life experiences have been, or where we have come from, or what the color of our skin might be, or how old we are, all of us would have heard the good news of the glories of God in ways that made sense to us and resonated with our experiences. This to me is the great miracle of Pentecost. It is the gift of communication. People come from all these different places with all these different experiences and backgrounds and yet they all hear in the native language of each. This story makes it clear that communication is so crucial to the gospel message. But I worry that 2,000 plus years later, we have too easily slipped back into some bad patterns. We've forgotten that the Spirit does not discriminate and that all kinds of people are included in this thing we call church. 
progressive and conservative, young and old, long-time members, and those who are new to the community, those who understand Presbyterian backwards and forwards, and those who don't understand our language at all. And all of these are loved by God, and all of these are invited into the life of the church, and shouldn't we learn how to communicate with all of them? Now, I'm not speaking here specifically about the English language. I'm speaking here about the language of our worship, the language of our denomination, the language of our tradition, the language of our experience. We can unintentionally assume that everybody knows what we do and why we do what we do in worship. We can unintentionally assume that everybody who comes in here is a good reader. We can unintentionally assume that the way we think and talk about God makes perfect sense to everybody else as well. And this is one of the areas that we have to continually remind ourselves about, that how do we communicate in ways that honor people's journeys and how they have come to us, remembering that they are loved by God just as much as are we. The sacrament we call communion does a wonderful job of reminding us of this. And the liturgy that many of us use, we say boldly, they will come from east and west and north and south and sup together at God's great banquet table in heaven. That is why I am so grateful that we are celebrating the sacrament of communion today. This is our way of acting out the truth of the story of Pentecost. For here is the bottom line. We are not all alike, not by a long shot, we come from many different places and with many different experiences, and yet here, around this table, we become one. Thanks be to God, Creator, Redeemer, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand if you are able to respond to the news of God's love for all by sharing together the creed that's been used by the church for many, many years, reminding us of our universal standing before God. Let us say together what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. One of the ways we say, I trust you, Lord, is by giving of ourselves with grateful hearts in response to what God has given to us. Let us now prepare to receive our morning offering.
Gracious God, for all good gifts we have received, we truly do give thanks. Receive these gifts now as evidence of our desire to be your servants of the world and disciples sent forth to care for the needs of the world. In Jesus' name, who has done just that for us, we pray. Amen. seated. And elders, will you please come to the table? This is the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from east and west and from north and south 
and sit at table in the kingdom of God. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites all those who trust him to share the feast which he has prepared. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. His ranks and praise. Let us pray. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal God, our Creator. You have given us life and second birth in your spirit. Once we were no people, but now we are your people. You claimed Israel as your chosen nation and raised us to the resurrection, breathing into it your life and power. From worlds apart, you gathered us together. When we go astray, you welcome us home. Always your love has been steadfast. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with the choirs of heaven and with all the faithful in every time and place who ever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. And now, gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that we may break the bread and the cup that we drink, become for us communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name, that we may be one in ministry in every place, as this bread is Christ's body for us, Send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord took bread and after giving thanks to God, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, did the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the remission of sins. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our Lord.
Take, eat, the body of Christ. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Feed on me.
body of Christ broken for you. Let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in abide with each one of you this day and forevermore.